First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. Everybody, episode 673 of First Class Fatherhood, a family-made media podcast, and I am bringing you guys my final interview of 2022. We started this year off on episode 572 with NFL legend Donovan McNabb, and 101 episodes later, we are going to close it out, and I have got a banger for you guys today. Olympic gold medalist Dominique Mucciano joins me with her husband, Dr. Michael Canales. Dominique Mucciano was a member of that Magnificent Seven gold medal winning U.S. women's gymnastics team back in the 1996 Summer Olympics in Atlanta, Georgia. She is the youngest Olympic champion in U.S. gymnastics history, and she absolutely crushed her floor exercise with that devil went down to Georgia music, uh, propelling the team to that what was just a, one of the greatest years, I think, ever of women's gymnastics history. And Dominique Mucciano did all of it with an injured leg. One of the greatest women gymnasts of all time. Her husband, Dr. Michael Canales, is also a gymnast himself. He was a member of the Ohio State University National Championship Gymnastics Team also in 1996. He was the captain of that team from 97 to 99. Presently, Mike is a member of St. Vincent Spine and Orthopedic Institute in Cleveland, specializing in foot and ankle reconstructive surgery. But he and Dominique met through their passion of gymnastics, and now together they run the Dominique Mucciano Gymnastics Center, teaching gymnastics and yoga. They are a couple of world-class athletes and first-class parents. I'm absolutely honored to have them on the podcast today. Dominique Mucciano and Dr. Michael Canales will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview was recorded on video and will be available on YouTube, I believe, uh, my timeout session on YouTube will be lifted today, so I'm going to try to upload this video to YouTube. If you don't find it on YouTube, you will find it on Rumble. Both links will be in the description of today's podcast episode. And as I mentioned at the top, 101 episodes in the can for 2022. I cannot say thank you enough to all of you listeners out there for all of your support. It really has been just a tremendous year for the podcast here. I'm going to do a final episode next week, the year in review. 2022 had so much, so many great moments, so many great interviews. So we're going to highlight some of them next week to close out the year with a final episode. So don't miss out on that. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for all the upcoming guest announcements. I just booked my first guest for 2023. Find out who will be joining me here in the new year. Get over to Instagram, follow me at Alec underscore Lace. All right, and I couldn't do it without you guys, so please, if you get an opportunity, help me spread the word about this podcast. Every father in your neighborhood and your contact list, let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. You guys know it. Father's Day is every day right here on the podcast. And here comes my interview straight up with Dominique Mucciano and her husband, Dr. Michael Canales, on First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Parents, Dominique Mucciano and Dr. Michael Canales. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. It's Thank great you. to be with you, Alec. Great necktie. <laughs> yeah, well, I try to match it with the background. So, so we'll see if we can get you guys in, in the program on the background before <laughs> long here. So it, it's an honor to have you here. Let's start like this. How many kids do these guys have? How old are they? Well, we have Carmen Noel, she's 14, Vincent Michael, he's 13, and Victoria Olympia, she's seven months. Wow, yeah, what, what a drop there. We have uh, four kids ourselves. Our oldest is 16, our youngest is eight. 
so we, we uh, know a little bit about that uh, age discrepancy there. If uh, if you could, obviously, Dominique, uh, you're very well known for your historic career here, Olympic career, gold medalist, the whole bit, part of that magnificent seven, great one of the greatest, if not the greatest, uh, women's gymnastic teams of all time. Uh, so, Dr. Canals, if we could, if you could please take a second here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Happily. Uh, I was an elite competitive gymnast. I was a member of the 1996 NCAA National Championship Gymnastics Team for the Ohio State University. I was a U.S. Junior National Team member. Uh, I am co-owner of Dominique Mochianu Gymnastics Center, where I train my son, who is a 2028 Olympic hopeful. I work for Northern Ohio Medical Specialist Spine and Orthopedic where I specialize in foot and ankle surgery. I love karaoke, and I hope that my wife and children consider me a first-class father. <laughs> well said. I love the introduction there. That's really, really good stuff. And obviously, uh, so you, Dominique, I mean, you grew up in the spotlight here as a young uh, athlete, Olympic champion, the whole bit. So tell me, if you could, how you met Mike, and then how did the transition of becoming married and having children kind of change your perspective on life? Well, I met Mike through this great sport of gymnastics. We kept running into each other time and time again. And I was a junior competitor at the Junior Nationals, and Mike was also there. After we had a couple of run-ins, that was the spot where he had stepped out of the competition. And I was in the hospitality room. He just wanted to clear his head a little bit. And that was the first encounter that we had. I was 12 and he was 16. I was just trying to find some food, honestly, at the time. I had been done with competing and I just needed some food. And Mike stepped out of the competition and we happened to run into each other. And uh, we had a little back and forth. And Mike will chime in because he tells the story just even better than I do. But um, I just told him to hang in there. You know, little 12-year-old me, what did I know about what he was going through? but he was competing with some of his idols in the competition. And um, shortly after that, we parted ways and then we didn't see each other for you know a period of time. But through this great sport, we keep running into each other because we're going to the same competitions. And then eventually when I'm kind of on my way out of competing, um, probably one of my first or second retirements, but um, I happened to be around 18, 19 years old when I really started to take a little more interest in Mike. Uh, what really drew me to him was his intellect. It was his intelligence. It was the way he talked and um, the way he spoke differently than all of the other athletes that I was around. And little did I know that he was going to you know, go off and become a surgeon, and that was his career choice. And um, shortly after that, we began dating and from 19 until now, 41, we've been together. So we got married five years after that and 25 married, 26 started kids. So it's been a whirlwind, but Mike probably has something more to add to that. So I'll let him chime in. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, Alec, I met Dominique in 1994. So this is before she was widely known publicly. So I've really seen her evolution go from child gymnastics prodigy, to successful, accomplished professional athlete, to evolving into the loving mother that I think she was always destined to be. And so I've seen that evolution going uh, from, from a child to a mother. And uh, it's really been fascinating because she has applied the same resolve, the same dedication that she did to her athletic career uh, to mothering our three children. Let me give you an example. 
She had a horrendous delivery for our last child about seven months ago. Uh, she had to have an emergency section. She had to be transfused two units of blood. Our child ended up having emergency open heart surgery. Uh, she's doing great though uh, right now by the graces of God and the great medical team. But I'll tell you, once the baby was cleared to go out, Dominique skipped no practices training her gymnast. She took no time off running the business. And as soon as the baby was cleared, she took all three of our children out to a farm for a full day of autumn activities. You know what it is, the corn maze, the pumpkin patch, all of that while she was running on fumes because she's dedicated to making sure that our children have wonderful memories. And again, that's the type of woman that she is. And again, she has evolved into to, to the mother that I always believed that she was going to be. Wow, incredible stuff. And Dominique, I, and one of the things too that I usually I'll talk about is that, you know, when we first meet one another, we're different people. Like I'm a different person than my wife met when we first met. My wife wasn't a mother when I met her. So it's like, there's a big shift that happens, especially on the relationship as well too. We change over time. And so what has it been like for you, Dominique, to watch uh, Mike kind of take on that role, become a father and take on the role of fatherhood? Well, it's been really an amazing transition. Obviously, you're right. We were different people. It's like before kids and after kids. It's a different you know, relationship um, because you have to do so much to put the kids' needs first when you have children. So with Mike, it certainly tenderized him. It allowed him to become more patient. You know, Mike is a surgeon. If something needs to be fixed, he fixes it. But with children, you can't really go about it with the, the same mentality. You can't just fix it right away. Sometimes you need to have some time and allow yourself to just take a moment, step back, breathe. But it's really special to see when, you know, he gets down on the floor level with our babies and now our teenagers as well and just, you know, loves them and hugs them. And it's a really special bond that, you know, he's developed with each child is a different relationship, but a special one. Very cool. And, and what would you say? And then, Mike, about the um, I, I know, like I said, the age discrepancy between the oldest and youngest. How is it? How is the, what's been the response from your older two kids uh, with the new baby, especially uh, and, and maybe some of the challenges of, of being uh, parents to them while we were dealing with everything that you said was going on uh, with the difficulty of the delivery of the third? How has been their reaction, their response to this whole thing? Well, there's a lot to unpack there, Alec. But I, I will tell you that uh, when we had the reboot, meaning the, the birth of our, our little one 13 years after uh, our last child was born, that huge gap has really allowed our children uh, to be leaders and learn responsibility because they take an active role in, in caring for and loving their little sister, Victoria Olympia. So we're very, very happy about that. Having the large gap certainly allowed us time to recover from all the sleepless nights, the endless feedings, the diaper changes. We were very, very enthusiastic about uh, bringing a new life into this world and sculpting it. And I will tell you, when she underwent her open heart surgery, which we had no idea was coming, our entire family rallied behind uh, our little girl. And it really brought our family to a new level of closeness that we will share for the rest of our lives together. Wow. Yeah. Great stuff. And then turning it into what you guys do, obviously, uh, there's always 
uh, a lot of tension surrounding the sport when it comes to kids, whether it's been sexual abuse or it's been physical abuse. I know you know all about this. And I, I you know, my, my wife comes from a family where she was abused as a child. So it's something we're always alert and always conscious about, especially when my daughter started doing gymnastics and stuff like that. Obviously, not at a competitive level or anything like that, but just there's that kind of worry about just because everything that's been reported about the sport and so many parents are putting their young girls or their young boys into this uh, sport. So what kind of advice do you have for parents out there that do have concerns uh, about their kids who are looking to take it a little bit more seriously and kind of try to go for that next level? What would you advise them? What do they look for? How do they do it? Well, look, the sport itself has always been a beautiful sport. It's never been the sport. It's been people in it, just like in any career field. There's going to be good people. There's going to be bad people. There have been things that have gone unchecked in many, many, you know, workplaces. And so for us in our sport, we've taken a a deep dive into what has happened recently. And unfortunately, it happened for a long time and, and went unchecked. Now, now I think parents need to probably vet a little bit better. Um, I myself take the responsibility as a gym owner to make sure that anyone we're bringing in, we're being responsible, all the background checks, all the safe sport. I'm always on top of that and making sure my staff is up to date with all of that information to make sure that we're on top of what we need to be and do our due diligence. But if anyone, you know, is is rubbing me the wrong way or if I have this feeling that, mm, you know, you might not be the right fit here because of whatever, you know, is going on or maybe their history, um, I'm not going to let them come through our doors. So I really have a close eye of attention uh, along with camera systems all throughout the gym and coaches are never allowed to be with children one on one, whether it's male to male, female to female, female to male, it doesn't matter. We have to follow those safe uh, sport guidelines. And so I think with us in our own gym communities, in our own gyms, we have to make sure as owners and coaches and everybody involved in the community, the family in the gym, which we call an extended gym family, we have to make sure we have eyes in the back of our head and really pay attention to what's going on and not miss any red flags. And I think that I'm a bit more hyper vigilant than most people. Um, so I'm a little more attentive to that because of the history, because of my past. And I'm sure Mike can add a little bit more as well. Yeah, and Mike, I was going to ask you, because obviously you said your son uh, competitive in the sport, hopeful for the Olympics himself. And how do you kind of what is that relationship too with you to make sure that your son doesn't feel the pressure like, hey, you know, my mom is an Olympic gold medalist. I, I crushed it at Ohio State. I mean, what is it the relationship like father son wise to make sure you don't feel that pressure like, hey, I got to live up to my, my parents and, and exceed what they did and all that. How does that work out? Yeah, great question, Alec. I, I think, as we all know, uh, pressure isn't always a bad thing. Pressure creates diamonds. Pressure can bring us to new levels of promotion that we never thought we could achieve. But I think if there are any questions about uh, if somebody is placing too much pressure on their child, I think this is an opportunity to reassess our own behavior and our own thoughts. For example, I would advise a parent to ask themselves, look, what does this performance, what does this test score? What does this athletic achievement mean to me as the parent? And I think that can be very illuminating because if you're doing it for your gain and not the child's character development and for their overall good, I think that can bring that to a head and say, maybe I need to back off. 
But I think children naturally, they want challenges. And I think there, there have been some research studies that state that we do not place enough pressure on our children when it comes to academic performance, character development, and sports. But again, if anybody has a question, if they are placing too much pressure on the child, I think that they need to reassess themselves and always let your children know, and I do this with my son, I coach gymnastics, but I also coach life. And you have to understand that your ego is not tied to the result of what happens at this competition or this test score. I also let them know that gymnastics or sports, that is what they do. It is not who they are. Wow. Yeah, really well said. Incredible stuff, Mike. And I know, um, uh, Dominique, from, from in your book, I know you touched on uh, off balance. I, I know you touched on finding out that you had a, uh, a sister that you didn't know existed. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of did, did that myself uh, at a lot earlier in my life. I, I found out that I had two brothers, two sisters that I weren't aware of uh, mm-hmm. from my father's previous marriage. I found out that I became an uncle the day I was born. Uh, so kind of like strange circumstances like that growing up. And so I kind of wanted to see, and I know you had a, a, a difficult relationship with your father. I'm not sure, you know, if everyone's parents are living. My parents passed away before I met my wife. Uh, so I don't know what that's like, but I do know it does take a village to raise a child. So I kind of wanted to know, what are your relationships like right now with your parents today? And are they involved and are they helpful in your village in raising your kids? Well, my father passed uh, years ago, actually, when Carmen was born that following year, um, you know, Vincent came into the picture 14 and a half months later, and then my father passed in my second trimester right before Vincent was born. So he never got a chance to meet Vincent, but he did get to meet Carmen as just an infant. Um, my relationship with my father changed in my adult years. I think there was a mutual respect. Um, I think my dad finally saw that I could give him a little bit of a run for his money. And my mom would say, you know, he's She's like you sometimes in some ways, like the good parts, right? And I realized that my dad was a product of his upbringing. I started to mature and realize too, yes, things that he did was wrong and it was not appropriate. And there are things that I wish he wouldn't have done. But at the same time, as I got older and I have more distance and perspective, I realized that his father was the same way. There wasn't a break of the cycle. I was the first woman in our lineage to break the cycle of abuse. And that's a very, very long lineage that I saw, even with my own eyes, of women being, you know, basically second class citizens and servants to their husbands because of the cultural differences. And so that was a big change. And when my dad, my dad saw me as an equal, I think things shifted as I would speak up for myself and I would stand up for myself. And he saw that I wasn't budging. Um, you know, things change between our relationship. And my mother and I are still very close. She actually moved up here last April to help us with Victoria, because like Mike said, I was back in the gym a week after I delivered and I would come back and forth from the hospital to the gym coach, go back to the hospital and Mike would leave. And then we would all take shifts. And my mom helped take care of our children, bring them to school because it was the end of their semester. So in order for us to make it all work, it did take a village. And um, we're very close to my mom. She's here with us now. And Mike can speak on uh, his side of the family. Yeah, um, I had a first-class father growing up. Uh, I I lost him suddenly and unexpectedly last year on December 23rd. 
So well, when Vincent was coming into the world, my father-in-law uh, was making his transition to the afterlife. And as Victoria was coming in, my father made his transition to the afterlife. And so I've taken the lessons that my dad has, has passed along, and I, I will pass them along to all three children. I see the bloodline will continue, and, and those lessons learned from my father will, will continue. My mother is still living. She, she lives about two minutes from our gym. She has an active uh, role in all three grandchildren's lives. So again, this just underlines the importance of having a loving village uh, when you are trying to nurture these young lives uh, into this world. Yeah, very well said. Yeah, and I often talk about it as far as on my side of parenting without parents, because not having that there, it, it, and my wife's parents are divorced when she was a kid. They're estranged from her. They're not involved in her life. So we really had to lean on each other so much, especially early on in that development. I know you guys uh, mentioned, I wanted to ask about your faith and um, and see uh, what type of role faith plays not only in your life, but in raising your kids. And what are the top values that you guys are hoping to instill in them growing up? You know, uh, you can relate to this, Alec. I was an altar boy for several years. Dominique and I were married in the Romanian Orthodox Church. So we are anchored to our morality. But I think this is very important. I think that it is the parent's job to prepare the child for the path, not necessarily choose the path for the child. So, so faith is a big part of our lives, but we really want to provide them with a foundation, with tools to face adversity, to face disappointment, defeat, loss, all of those types of things. And I think that religion, for the most part, uh, fills in a lot of those holes. And so that is the foundation that, that we laid down for our children. And again, uh, it's not necessarily what you leave your children when you leave here, it's what you leave in them. And I think that we have left within them, even Victoria, who's seven months of age, um, a foundation to deal uh, with the adversities, trials, errors, and tribulations of life. Yeah, great stuff. I have three old, our three sons are altar boys uh, currently too. So faith is a big part of our life. It's important to us uh, in, in raising our kids uh, as well. So I, I love what you have to say there. And then how about as far as um, uh, discipline goes here, guys, who would you say is the, the more bigger disciplinarian in the family? And is that different than the discipline style you guys both grew up with? Well, look, my dad ruled the uh, house with an iron fist, so I obviously don't do that. And I think the term discipline has been just associated with punishment so much in, in they're intertwined, but I don't look at discipline that way. When I coach, I don't. When I teach my children, the Latin word of discipline means to teach, to learn. When you look at the root word, and I think it's been a little bit, you know, muddied over the years that discipline has to equate to punishment. I think they're two separate things. And I like to teach with compassion, with love, but also sternness and expectation, because in life we have expectation. There are going to be things that you have to do, and we have to teach our children how to cope with positive rewards and also constructive feedback and also disappointments, right? And we have to do that all in a very careful manner that is is not going to have harmful effects, but teach them to have responsibility. And to discipline, in my mind, is to teach, to educate, to learn. And it, it more aligns with the root word than it does with punishment. Because I had a lot of punishment, um, whether it was hitting, um, it was physical abuse in the gym, where you just kept going, going, going till you broke, and the coach didn't pay attention. So I had different forms from you know, familial to the coach athlete relationship to then 
you know, being around people who I allowed myself to be treated poorly, which that would not have happened had my self-esteem been up and had that not been punishment in my childhood and been a little more positive reward system, I think it would have been a lot better for me. So I think in, in all of our lives, we take the good with the bad. You learn. I take the good things that were, you know, positive in my childhood, like the things that I thought, wow, these are really good um, methods. I can take that with me moving forward and then abandon the rest. And and I think when you think of it that way, um, it makes a lot a lot more sense to treat discipline in the manner of your teaching, your teaching responsibility, you're teaching them how to behave, you're teaching about consequences. Uh, and that's how I associate the word. And it may not be the the norm, but I, I like to associate it that way more than punishment. Mike can t- you know, touch in a little bit. You know, obviously there are so many schools of thought when it comes to discipline. We, we know that. I think that you're a big fan of the, the Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. Mm-hmm. Not only is that great for married couples, but it's also great for parenting. And I think that we need to model the behavior that we want to see. So again, this is an opportunity to reassess how we behave when we are overwhelmed, when we are stressed out, when we are angry, because these children are such observant little beings that I think your best testimonial can be how you react in those situations if you are truly attempting to model behavior. The final point that I'll have is I think it's important to have that strategy before the meltdown happens because you want to be on top of your emotions and be on the right side of that when it goes down. So have a strategy when that that misbehavior happens, we're kind of equipped to deal with it rather than jumping straight to punishment right from the get-go. Yeah, and I agree with you there, because sitting here right now, it seems like it's pretty easy to remain calm when things go bad, but it's when they go bad and you're in them to try to stay in this mindset. Definitely a difficult transition. And I do feel that, you know, the, the most important role I could play, especially for my daughter, and I know, Dominique, you talk about breaking that type of cycle and stuff, is the best role I could play is treating, seeing me how I treat their mother. And I think that that's the greatest gift I can give them, my sons and my daughter as well. Just seeing how I, I react and respond with my wife, I think is the greatest benefit that they'll get moving forward hopefully with my boys knowing how to treat women and Mm -hmm. my daughter knowing how to be treated from a man her expectations as well i think it's important absolutely i think that you hit the nail on the head with that because leading by example is the best way and i think that we strive to be better every day and we always want to be that example that our children will be proud of and they look to them as you know like we admire this we admire this in our parents we want to be like that one day and we will continue to get it right as many times as we need to right so if it fails sometimes when we're tired and we're exhausted and things come out that you don't like because that happens in every relationship we try to be better and do better every time but the thing with experience now with our little one is we can prevent those meltdowns i think we are so much more experienced that when we go into parenting with victoria it seems like fun right now and we totally know what she needs we know she needs you know milk she needs a diaper she needs this that but we can prevent that i feel that i can in a much different way than i did the first time around because that experience is helping us this time 
Yeah, and it, and it did take a minute for us to, because we had a little bit of a gap, not as big as you guys, but when we had our uh, our fourth child to say, oh wait, and it all comes back very quickly to us. And we're like, <laughs> and we are, we do, we come at it from a much calmer place. Uh, our expectations of what's going on, we 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 feel like we got a little bit of a better handle on it with the experience that comes with it. Plus, our older kids now can be involved in helping and doing all that stuff as well. But Mike, you are right. I mean, I I do. I was so blown away with uh, when I we did the um, Gary Chapman, the five love languages with our teenage boys because. It really opened up our eyes to, wow, we were totally off on uh, how they give and receive love. And it really, really helped us in our disciplining of them. Yes. Uh, so obviously, I know we got right now that the holidays are coming up. This will be your first one here with, uh, I guess, as a, as a family of five. Uh, do you guys have any kind of traditions, holiday traditions? Uh, what do you guys do uh, during the holiday season here? Well, because we're from Northeast Ohio, we have a special connection with A Christmas Story. It was filmed up here. So not only do we quote the lines all the time, Alec, we actually go visit the house. We, we see all of that. We, we love that. And uh, Dominique can touch on some of the other traditions, but A Christmas Story is always a big one in our household. You, you don't stick your tongue on the pole, I hope, though. We learned. We learned from that. <laughs> Yes, I always like to get, you know, family PJs that are matching. We love to decorate the tree. We have traditional meals that uh, were passed on from my Aunt Janice that I like to do. And my mom, um, she has great recipes as well that come around only at the holidays. So those are special things that we can pass on to our children. And we always watch Christmas movies leading up to Christmas. So that's something really special around the holidays. They're like, what Christmas movie are we going to watch now? And we get to do it all over again and watch them all again for Victoria's sake too. But our teenage children enjoy it as well. So those kinds of things are memories that are going to be um, imprinted in their lives and their minds and hearts forever. And I think that those are just some things that, you know, we look forward to doing around the holidays. Yeah, so awesome. So what do you guys have going? I know we're about to turn the page here into 2023. What are you guys working on right now, each of you? What, what kind of goals or plans do you kind of have? Any projects you're working on for the new year and beyond? Yes, there's quite a lot going on at any given moment, believe it or not. But we have some special projects in the works. We've been working on our YouTube channel, Mochianu's Way, for all of 2022. We hope to continue to grow that in 2023. I have some special projects that I can't really release, but be on the lookout for them. There's a, a couple of really interesting projects that will be coming out in the next couple of years that will take some time to develop. And once we can uh, open up that storyline, we will. And again, just continue to grow our gymnastics program. Um, the competition season starts January and then we finish in May if our girls make it to nationals, which we have every year that um, we've competed and started a program. and really uh, feel really good about the direction of our, our program um, and just kind of watching Victoria grow and our teenage children in um, high school and we'll see whatever else uh, kind of comes our way but it's never a dull moment around here that's for sure and Mike can talk to you about his plans. Well my plans fall in line obviously with our family goals of, of raising our children we want to see our businesses uh, continue to grow and and, and help uh, plant the seed of safe gymnastics and yoga experiences. In, in my professional life, I want to continue to treat as many patients as I can uh, with compassion and up-to-date care. Uh, but we're looking forward uh, to this new chapter uh, with this little one alongside with us as uh, we help uh, develop her into uh, a productive citizen. 
Very cool. And the last thing I want to hit you guys with here, I love to ask all the parents I get on the podcast. I'll start with you, Dominique, and then go to you, Mike. Um, Dominique, what kind of advice do you have for that new mom or for that about-to-be mom that's out there listening? Well, look, there's so many things I could say, but bottom line is you get so much unsolicited parenting advice from so many people around you, oftentimes family. Um, and it means, you know, means a lot to them to give that advice. It comes from a good place. But just remember, you don't have to listen to everything that comes your way. Follow your moral code, your moral compass, and, you know, you and your significant other do it the way that you think is best. And just keep that in mind. You can have so much coming in, but you also can filter what is necessary um, because everybody's path is different. Everybody's lifestyle is different. Your relationship with your significant other is going to be different than what others who are giving you experience and advice based off of their lives. So it's not always the same. It's not a cookie cutter. But just remember to keep your moral compass and code and uh, everything in align with your ethics. And just remember, you can just not refuse it if you, you know, politely refuse it. You don't have to be mean about it. But just remember that you can take what advice um, you think is going to be best and then pocket the other stuff. Love that. (laughs) Mike, what kind of advice do you have for that new dad or that about to be father who's out there listening? Look, having a child will bring your heart levels of joy and fulfillment that you could never even imagine. But that does not mean having a baby is sheer joy all the time. So two pieces of of advice. Number one, I think you need to find humor in your new life. And what do I mean by that? When the baby has the diaper blowout right after a bath and being put in a clean, cute outfit, I think that you have to realize that this is part of your new life and not take it too seriously. When you get the spit up all over your face and neck when you're trying to get out the door, take the time to take those mental snapshots. The baby will be a baby only once. And again, don't take your life too seriously. Second part, subscribe to First Class Fatherhood and tune (laughs) in regularly so that you can get a great cross-section of parenting advice and philosophies. That's the greatest advice ever given out on the show. I can tell you that. But listen, I, I love the message. Uh, this has been really an honor for me. I got to say, Dominique and Mike, you guys are first class parents all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Thank you thank so you. much. That was a lot of fun, Alec. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. First Class Fatherhood is a family made media podcast. Please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com or www.familymade.com to find out more details. You can order First Class Fatherhood advice and wisdom from high-profile dads on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.